It's good to have our uh, youth with us today and um, to worship together as we are already in March, right? Can you believe it? It's going by so, so fast. Um, you know, today we talk about these two people in the Bible, and we talk about their fear, right? Their fear of God. It's interesting. My daughter, Carissa, had a friend in elementary school whose name was uh, Shifra. And I remember, and this is one of those moments as a parent and as a pastor, it's kind of embarrassing. I was like, Shifra, I was like, what kind of name is that? I've never heard of that. And, um, you know, where is she from? What country is she from? Or something like that. And then she says, it's from the Bible, Dad. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know, you know. Um, and I'm like Googling it. Where is it? Oh, wow, really? And, and you know, th th think about the unlikeliness, right? A midwife. And this is something that we skim through to get to Moses, to hurry up and get to chapter 2, right? What's going to happen? And so we don't dwell on this. I, I, you know, to be honest, I was like, it's in the Bible, and um, it's here. And I thought it'd be neat to um, look carefully through this. You know, chapter 1 of Exodus is a, a very intriguing passage, a story. It, it contrasts two different people, right? Uh, you have the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful man in the land. And then you have these two midwives, nobodies. And yet, somehow, they're named Shifra and Puah. And it's this contrast of how they respond, what they fear. You know, uh, fear, all of us have some kind of fear, right? And I was reading an article about what teenagers fear the most. Um, Jaquel Crow wrote an article about the three biggest fears of teenagers, right? And when I read them, I thought, well, it's interesting because, yeah, it might be true of teenagers, but it's true of grown-ups as well. Number one is the fear of the future, Think about this, you know, you, you have to decide in high school what classes you're gonna take, and parents and the counselor and your friends, and they're talking about college, and you gotta go to college. You gotta make it to college, right? And so now you have to decide, out of hundreds of colleges in this country, which one is right? I mean, th that is very daunting, if you think about that. Not only that, um, you, you get to college and before you know, you have to figure out what's your major. What are you going to study to dictate the rest of your life? And then what is that going to look like and where are you going to work and what are you going to do? And these are big questions, big questions that teenagers have to answer, but all of us deal with the what if questions, right? The future things. The second fear that um, they said was number two on the, she said that number two on the teenagers list is the fear of failure. Failing in school, uh, failing in sports, letting my parents down, um, not being able to do as well as they did in whatever they did, right? or being looked down upon by my friends because I am not as up to par as they are. Failure, but yet this is true for all of us as well. Right? We have a fear of failure. Um, it's interesting, this fear of failure, it comes sometimes from be, trying to be a perfectionist, right? Uh, the perfectionist often is the procrastinator because they are so afraid of it not being perfect, they just, I, I can't turn that in, I can't finish this, you know? Um, and the third is the fear of, and this is kind of the, uh, it's a double-edged sword, it's the fear of, they, she says, of intimacy slash loneliness. The fear of becoming intimate that the other person would get to really know you, a friend would really get to know you, or one day you get a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, they really get to know you, and once they really get to know you, they say, I don't want you anymore. And there is that fear. 
But on the flip side of that, the fear of intimacy is the fear of loneliness, that I won't have any friends. And yet I'm afraid to go after my friends and to get to know them better because if they really get to know me, and not all the posts that I put on my Instagram feed or whatever it is I put on to let them know how good my life is, if they really get to know, it's not that exciting, right? Um, and, and so these are the fears that teenagers deal with. Uh, these are the fears that grown-ups deal with. And there have been fears that um, doesn't matter how, how much power you have, how much money you have, we all have some kind of fears. Um, Pharaoh here. So, so chapter 1 in Exodus, it shows a man who is in complete power, and yet he is paranoid. You know, fear will drive us to kind of two extremes, right? Um, it's we panic and we try to do everything. Or we just clam up, we freeze, and we do nothing. And here we see Pharaoh trying to do everything. I think it's out of fear. Um, he feared people. Uh, he feared losing his power. He feared all the things that someone in his position would have to worry about if you think. And he had this fear, and it tells us he, he feared people and was concerned about himself. He was afraid of these people, the Israelites. Chapter 1, verse 9, uh, we didn't read that, but just it says this, And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. He's thinking about us. And he looks at them, he says, There are just too many. And he's assuming the worst as they, they seem like they are multiplying and growing in the land. You know, the story of Joseph comes into Egypt hundreds of years back and the people settle there, avoid uh, the famine and they are saved. And as generations have gone by, this Pharaoh has forgotten the story of Joseph and the God of Israel. And we see that this has happened now. Fear of people. What are they going to think uh, what do they really think? And really, that affects a lot of us. Um, why do we do the things that we do often? It's l driven by this, the fear of the future. That's what we see also of Pharaoh, the fear of the unknown. You know, our imaginations are a great thing, but yet it could also be very detrimental to us because if we start asking the questions of what if, if this happens, and if that happens, what if? And I don't know what what ifs questions you have, but just by saying it, just by you hearing it, some of you, your stress level is already going up a little. Like, oh gosh, yeah, uh, what if it does this? And what if things at work doesn't work out? What if this doesn't work out? What if my kid doesn't turn out the way that I was hoping? You know, what if this and what if that? Um, and this is the question he has in chapter uh, 1, verse 10. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And, and if, and this is the big if, this is his imagination going wild. If war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us to escape from the land. What if? What if a war breaks out? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And you see him panicking and he tries to take control. Our fears often come from losing control. And you realize in life, as you live a little bit more, you realize you really don't have much control. Right? You think you could get married and you have some control over your marriage relationship. Not much, right? You have kids and you think, boy, I'm going to have my kids and they're going to be this and this and this. Maybe, but not really. 
um, and we lose control and that fear of losing control drives and what it drives him to do is to panic. And the decision he has, it says in verse 15, then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. He is panicking. He thinks if I could kill all the boys, they can't join the army, they can't fight back. They can't procreate, there will be no more of them. The women are weak, I don't have to worry about them. Yet, in the midst of that, he is speaking to the two that God is going to use. Shifra Pua. And he is speaking to them, worrying about someone else, and yet God is still going to use them. You know, it, it is fear that makes us just panic, and he is panicking. And if you can't sleep at night because your mind is going 100 miles an hour, you're fearing what could be. You're fearing the what ifs. We need to place our fears on something greater and something bigger in, in God. You know, in college, I had a chance to go to uh, Russia on a mission trip in 1993. I went to uh, Russia, led a team. I was a student leader, led a team, and we went there and we took a night train from St. Petersburg and we went all the way to Moscow to go visit the university. And, um, go, go kind of uh, see what was going on there. And this, this is the first time. I remember I was really afraid going to Russia because this is right after like the Rocky movies, you know, and Ivan Drago. I mean, Russia was bad back then. And I thought, oh, it, it's, it's, um, it's just a bad place. And, um, and I remember just having uh, just kind of this ignorant fear, right? And I went, anyways, we get there and we're walking outside the university, Moscow University, and we're walking outside and there's kind of people selling things and we're kind of walking out and these two men, they start, they start arguing. I can't understand what they were saying, but they were arguing. And next thing I know, they start going at it. You know, it's just fists are flying. And, um, you know, at my high school instincts jumped in at that point and I ran towards them to watch it, right? You remember in high school, it's a fight and you run towards it. Please, young men, don't do that, okay? So I ran towards it and I wanted to watch the fight. I was so excited. And another guy jumps in and they're beating up on one guy. And I'm just watching this. The girls are, are just better human beings. They were far away already, like saying, oh my gosh, it's horrible. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting, you know? And, uh, um, uh, and I'm watching the fight, and the guy that was getting beat up gets in his car, and now he revs his engine, and he tries to run the two guys over. And now it's like, uh-oh, this isn't fun, and I'm running. Like, and I don't know where I was running to, but I was running. And I remember, I still remember one of the sisters who was on the team, she was just standing there. And the car was coming like, right next to her. And I literally grabbed her by the back of her jacket. And I was like, we got to go. And we're running down the street with the rest of the team because God had me be in charge of that group, right? While I was enjoying this fight. And I, we're running down the street. Nothing planned. We're just running. Fear will either just freeze us or fear will make us just panic in this way. And we see him just panicking. And you see this, this contrast of these two. A man, a man of power, the Pharaoh, he has a title. These women, they're just known as midwives. 
These women, a lot of scholars tell us that the midwives, the Hebrew midwives were women who were often barren. They didn't even have their own families and they were kind of in society were put in that position. Well, if you can't have your own, you're going to help them deliver the babies. And so someone who is ultimately powerful and these two women who have no power, no say, uh, are here in chapter one. And yet it is the women who acted so well. They responded so well. It's because their fear was in God. We have to fear something. And it is better to fear something that is worthwhile than something that isn't. And ultimately, as Christians, we need to fear God. You know, so we say, what does that mean by fear? Well, there is a sense of awe and fear. This is God Almighty. When we go before the face of God, I think none of us are going to be like, hey, God, you know, I think we would just be on our face out of this awe and fear. And so there is that part because he is God. But there's another side of the fear where um, a dad that loves his little five-year-old girl has to pick her up from preschool and is jamming through the freeway because he is deathly afraid to be late because he might let her down. This fear that comes from love. And so this is this idea that these two women had this kind of fear And the Bible repeats it twice. In verse 17, it tells us that the midwives feared God. And in verse 21, again, because the midwives feared God. When there is this type of repetition, uh, the reader is to understand what set them apart. They feared God. They feared God. The Pharaoh was talking about what if this and what if that. He feared everyone else but God. They feared God. Pharaoh's not even named. These nobodies, these two ladies, are named. So someone will name their daughter after her, right? And some her friend's dad won't know who it is, right? And things like that. But it's they're named. A couple things we see here is uh, of how they respond in fear. And as they respond in this way, as they fear God, the fear of everything else fades away. Our fear of something greater uh, makes all of our other fears go away. You you can't have both. You know, the Bible talks about you can't have two gods. You can't have this kind of fear in this way. You know, in verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. Now, it's interesting because in uh, uh, right before, in verse 15, the king of Egypt has a face-to-face with these two. Can you imagine how intimidating this must have been? Can you imagine everyone is saying, oh my gosh, the, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is making a personal visit to these two. And he calls them out and says, you two better do this. And he comes with his whole entourage. And you could imagine the people who are bearing arms and you know the people who are there and his legal supporter, whoever it is. And they are all there. And these two women with absolute no power, no strength, are told, you better kill the boys if they are born. And walks out. Can you imagine that? This is what they're sitting through. And they're sitting there going, oh my gosh, yes sir. 
And then right after, it says in verse 17, but, but the midwives feared God. They're like, maybe others were trembling. Maybe others were excited, but the king is here. You know, uh, these two, they weren't that impressed, but they feared God. It shows that they, they weren't that impressed and they were not afraid of the king of Egypt in this way. It's interesting, right? Um, all of the fears that we do have can be legitimate fears. And yet it is uh, Matthew 10, 28, right? Christ who tells us, do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. He says, even if they could take your life, don't fear them. Don't fear the one that could kill the body. Don't worry about that. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body. There's one that's greater. And so whatever our fears are, we have to understand there is someone I have to fear even more. And we need to have a reverence towards God. And our question when we fear someone is, is what do they think? Am I going to let them down? What do they want? Just like a dad who is running late to pick up his preschooler. Oh, man, she's going to be so sad. She's going to be, you know, left behind, and she's going to think I'm not there, and I've got to run through traffic, and I've got to get there, and there's this fear of I gotta, I'm afraid to let her down. And there is that type of fear. Fear in God, secondly, not only does it diminish all our other fears, so instead of saying, I don't want to think about it, I'm going to do relaxation you know, techniques and not worry about it, those are okay. But instead of just saying, I'm going to not think about it, we just have to focus on God. Fear Him. The second thing is fearing God leads to a righteous action. It leads to action, right? A fear often freezes us from doing anything because of the what-if stuff, but fearing God leads us to action. You know, I, I, uh, some of the high schoolers are here, and I remember um, uh, when I was in high school, my freshman year, trying out for the football team. Up till then, I never played other than just throwing the ball around. Never played anything organized. My parents never put me in anything organized. And I got to high school, I said, I want to be a football player. And really, in the 80s, like, if you're a football player, you were kind of, like, cool in school, right? So that was, I, I, was, I think I was more in it for that and wearing the Letterman jacket, you know, and I, so I wanted to join. And I remember I, I got, they, I went, and we had to stand in line to the equipment manager, and he was, everyone was just mean, right? The equipment manager was mean. Um, the coaches were mean. The guys were mean. I don't know why, but everyone was just mean. That was football culture. And I remember getting in line, and he hands me a helmet. And um, he puts all the pads, the knee pads, thigh pads, and he puts it in the helmet. And he doesn't even have me try on the helmet. He eyeballs my head, right? And he goes, your head, you have a big head, Joy. I'm going to give you the biggest helmet I have, right? I was like, thanks, you know, and everyone's chuckling, and now everyone's looking at my head. Um, and by the way, that helmet still didn't fit. They had to special order me a helmet, right? <laughs> My size eight head. So they've never seen that kind of head before. But uh, I remember getting this thing, and I didn't know what to do. There were so many pads and things, and, 
and you're in a, a all boys locker room, so I don't want to watch another boy change. You know, that would be like a really a bad thing. So I'm trying to figure it out. I remember trying to put that helmet on with all four pads inside and it wouldn't fit my head. And I was like, why is my head so big? God, it's always so big, you know? And, uh, and I realized I was kind of peeking and this is how you do it. And I remember finally, getting the pads on, running out late because I couldn't figure out where to put the thigh pads and knee pads and so on. And I run out late and the coach yells, Choi, get in at left guard. And I only knew like quarterback, receiver. I didn't, there's 11 positions. I didn't know the name. I was like, what? Get in at left guard right now. Like he was threatening me. Like he was going to hard, you know, so I remember running out to the huddle. I was like, where do I go? And everyone's like quiet. And they're calling the play. And then I was, you know, oh, I'm not sure. And then they call timeout. Now everyone's looking at me and the coach is like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't know where left guard is, man. Never heard of that. And get out. Right. And, uh, I remember thinking, do I want to do this, right? Um, and then I figured out where left guard was. There was no Google back then, you know, and my parents didn't watch football, and I had to ask around, where's left guard, where's tackle, what's center? Um, but it, it leads, you know, we have to take action. And you think about the things that hold us back, the little fears that hold us back. Um, Verse 18 in our text. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, and they give this excuse, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. Kind of indirectly putting down the Egyptian woman, right? Kind of saying Hebrew women are stronger. Right? But they gave birth right away. We didn't have a chance. They had an opportunity to stand up to the king, and they did. And it's our fear of God that will allow us to stand up and to say what we need to say. Uh, it is uh, Oz Guinness in his book, The Call. He has a chapter in it, and that's one of my favorite books there. Um, in The Call, he talks about, he has a chapter called uh, Dreamers of the Day, right? Dreamers of the Day. And in this chapter, he talks about people who don't just daydream, but they take action. And some of the quotes from that chapter, he talks about these dreamers of the day. They act their dreams with open eyes, right? They act their dreams with open eyes. He he quotes Morris West, who says, find me men with fire in their hearts and wings on their feet. So it's not just about passion. It's not just about something, but it's people who take action and they'll do this. And the fear of God does that for us. Thirdly, uh, God will bless those who fear him. We see this in verse 21. Let me just go over this real quickly. But because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. This is a huge blessing for them. This changed their whole status. Um, He blessed them with what they couldn't get uh, because they feared him. All right. And fourthly, God will use those who fear him to bless others. Right? The blessing happens. In chapter 2, we see Moses was called Moses. He was, comes out of the water. It means to draw out of the water. And, and it's ironic, right? The Nile was a place of death. They said throw the babies into the Nile. It was a place of death. 
but yet it is out of the water that Moses comes to life. And who was the one that the Pharaoh was afraid of? It was, was afraid of the boys, but not the girls. But all of chapter one and two, you see the ones that God uses are all the women. Shifra Pua. You see in chapter two, it is uh, the woman who gave birth. Moses' mom gave birth. She hides and protects him for three months. Um, ends up being the sister um, uh, who follows him. Moses' sister, older sister, is following as they let him down in a basket. Not only that, you see the daughter of Pharaoh is the one who goes to the water to bathe and finds Moses. And so you see this picture, there's all these women that God is using to bring about his savior. And eventually, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter saves Moses. This older sister of Moses comes in in such a bright way, says, should I go find the Hebrew woman that could nurse this child? She goes, yeah, yeah, go do it. And so what happens is she goes and gets Moses' mom or her mom and says, I found this Hebrew woman who would nurse this child. And so she takes care of her own son, and then she is paid for it by Pharaoh. And this is so God's hand at work in the midst of what we think is chaos, the end of it all. And we can't help but see the parallel here between this and when another king, Herod, tried to kill all the firstborn sons. And someone who is a virgin, Mary, is now running away to give birth to a savior. And what Moses failed to do to get him into the promised land, Christ does for us. And it helps us to see that there. And so we put our hearts at ease. We put our trust in him. And we say, boy, I am going to care more about what God thinks than what anyone else. I'm going to be more concerned because God is in control. And even if there is the king of Egypt who has power to take lives, even if he comes, I will not fear the one who could now kill the body, but I will fear the one who has power over the body and soul. I will fear God. And so we as Christians want to walk and live with courage and fear him. We learn this from these two unlikely women that God has used, and he will use average, normal people like you and like me as we place our fear in him. And so let's put our focus on him uh, as we go on, all right? Let's pray together. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, we have uh, many concerns in this world, many fears, uh, things that uh, we have no control over. But God, um, we realize that you have complete control. Uh, Lord, in Moses' this baby's birth, God, it was all you. And the humor that you had that even Pharaoh it was paying for the mom to nurse Moses. God, you have complete control. And so it doesn't matter, Lord, uh, who is against us or what we fear. God, we look to you. And when our eyes are fixed upon you, everything else fades. So, Lord, this week, help us um, not to look around at uh, growing problems in our lives, not to worry about what am I going to do next or who I have to go after, but God, help us to look to you. 
Our eyes are fixed on you. Our hearts are at rest in you, Lord. I pray especially for our teens, our high schoolers here, our junior hires. Uh, Lord, as they now make decisions in life and as they have now uh, worries and fears, God, would you help them to cultivate a fear of you more than anyone else, more than whatever anyone can say that you hold their lives. God, so we um, ask for your help. Uh, We look around so easily, God. Uh, We want to look to you. Help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name.